How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoe. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it in front of the No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. Okay, we were so excited last week about the season starting. We'd had a great time in Frozen Fury, and then the first week so far of the Kings regular season has just been a theme that's just like, it's real sad. <laughs> Everybody's disappointed and let down. And we're like, I don't know if this is what I was waiting for all summer. I waited five months. What's up? Um, it was kind of crazy because we were just like, oh, cautious optimism. Like, we're not the happiest, but we think it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be good. Everything was not good. Everything was, quite frankly, terrible. Like, it wasn't just that they lost. Um, you know, spoiler alert, they lost the first two games of the season. But they just lost it and didn't look good while losing. You know, like, some, some losses you can take. Like, oh, that was a bad bounce, whatever. But these were just poorly played games. Yeah, I think they played better in the Coyotes game. Like, they had 41 shots on goal. And there were a couple opportunities. Like, I think, you know, there were good chances. But in both of those games, Jonathan Quick hasn't looked very good. It's a, particularly in that Coyotes game. Like, he, at one point, it was like they had 10 shots and four goals. So, bad, bad outing. And even for the Coyotes game, Daryl Sutter was like, Jonathan Quick, he didn't play very well, did he? And uh, you're right about that, Sutter. You are right. He did not play very well. Um, yeah, but I am going to still hold with some cautious optimism. Maybe, you know bumbling first two games hopefully it'll get better that's all I can say is that just hopefully it gets better they're still a very good team on paper there were some choices early like I don't know why Jeff Schultz was in over Brady McNabb for the Sharks game but now Jeff Schultz is on waivers so clearly they're they're switching things up and I hope they make the changes that they need to early but yeah so far lackluster not a whole lot to cheer about they've scored two goals in two games so that's also something that needs to change um but it's funny because I feel like that theme has also spread out uh, away from the ice, too. We didn't go to the home opener, but the Kings posted that opening video. Did you get a chance to watch it? Oh, I sure did. And it is the most dramatic video I have ever seen. Like, <laughs> to think so that that sad. plays in the Staples Center, everyone's, like, amped up to go to a hockey game. And they're like, oh, are we watching some weird, like, redemption video or something like that? Like, all of those fan vids that people make for TV shows and stuff on YouTube, like, that's... That's what it was, 100%. It's amazing, but yeah, so really emotional in a way I was not expecting from this team. And so the song that they use is Coldplay's Fix You. And we know from going to games that they actually use the climax of that song when they win, like during the the, um, the announcement of the three stars, they use that. And it's without the context of the lyrics, like it can sound like pretty triumphant, that end part of that track. But for the opening video, it's like, all the lyrics, when you try your best, you can't succeed. And it's like a lot of them looking frustrated, even like Andre Kobazar looking frustrated in this video, which is not something we're used to. You know, obviously quick smashing his stick, just a lot of sadness. When you get what you want, but not what you need. And um, it's just really on the nose in a way that I was not expecting for the theme, like the theme for this season that has been set. The last lyric that you hear in that video is, of course, I will try to fix you. 
Because the kings are broken. It's it's so bizarre. I, w- I would think that opening videos would be separate from, like, what's actually happened in the past or something like that. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I would just think it's, like, a generic opening video that happens. Um, but in this case, the kings are very aware that they missed the playoffs and everyone was disappointed and wanted to, like, make sure that everyone else knew that they were on top of it, like, that they were going to get better. But the opening video that plays at the beginning of every game seems like a bit much. (laughs) I kind of, I mean, I love it. It is like, it's just weirdly sad. And I love it, though, in the sense that it's apt, right? Like this king, this king's team does have stuff to come back from. That's true. But it's also like, like you said, like it's not, I don't feel pumped really after that. I just feel weirdly melancholy. Yeah. (laughs) Instead of like, yeah, let's do this. It's like, all right, well, okay, let's let's do this then. Um, I guess where this is happening now. I just yeah, I hope you choice. can do it. Bizarre choice. <laughs> so yeah, so it's like that opening video of I will try to fix the kings, and then two games of disappointments where they got um, was five goals against with the sharks and four goals against with the coyotes. So sadness, and then and then it continues thanks to you know other things which we will get to but first before we get to that i feel like we should talk some more about the games because of course then the sharks game was like not only did they lose but they were a mess they got severely outplayed in that game like the coyotes game was a little bit more of bad luck and like jonathan quick didn't play very well and there was some really really bad turnovers here and there that unfortunately bit them because jonathan quick wasn't playing very well but um, the Sharks game was just a mess from start to finish. Well, it's one of those things, too, when the... So the Kings scored the first goal. Nick Shore, way to go, buddy. Um, way to make your debut. Um, yeah, I was happy for him. But after that, then the the Sharks started scoring, and that's fine. You know, you can come back from that. But the Kings reverted to their, you know, um, method, their strategy of just being crazy physical to, like, zero point, to, like, for no purpose whatsoever. So Dustin Brown turns into a horse and then headbutts someone. Um, and that some, that's that someone being crazy. Logan Couture. I don't know why I said someone. It's Logan <laughs> Couture. A horse-on-horse horse crime um, was what was <laughs> happening here. And Lucic was what we kind of expected Lucic to be in that he went after Logan Couture at the end of the game to just kind of, like, rough him up a bit. But, um, yeah, it was kind of, there was like fights galore. Um, it was kind of, kind of straight. It was just a weird, messy game. With Dustin Brown, I was actually pretty surprised that he didn't get fined that we know of, or he didn't get suspended even for like a day or something. Greg Wyshynski from Puck Daddy actually wrote about why it was kind of difficult for um, player safety to give any additional discipline for that hit, and it's because it kind of It wasn't intentional. It was like it happened during the run of play and, you know, Dustin Brown was in front of Logan Couture the whole time and he, you can tell he's trying to make a shoulder check, but his helmet does go right into Logan Couture's mouth. It looked really bad, but it wasn't like an intentional headbutt kind of thing and it didn't really fall into any of the other penalty, like there wasn't a penalty even called. So it became the kind of thing that looked horrible and like, again, like, his helmet made contact with Logan Tour's face, um, but they couldn't really, under the rules, discipline it. But it was weird because I felt like, but dude, like when someone gets hit in the face, like hit in the head, 
that's something that you don't they say that don't they don't want to happen it just was strange to me that they didn't have more leeway to do something about that yeah like they didn't um like Logan Couture was bleeding from that uh hit like on the side of his nose or something like that and it's kind of strange because I think they also mentioned something about Dustin Brown stumbling so that might have affected you know the way that he hit Logan Couture and how it might have gotten like kind of off hence the whole like right. it, like no ill intent really there but it's kind of bizarre to me that Dustin Brown would be just like not like a, a bad skater to the point that he was technically like not a bad hit like all of the things kind of just like fell into place perfectly <laughs> yeah. so that he wouldn't get penalized um, all of it is very much a technicality like that's all it is yeah. it's just um he should have gotten something for it. Like, I really think he should have. Mm-hmm. I do, too. And I mean, not like anything crazy. I did see, um, what is his name? Brody Brazil, who writes, covers the Sharks or whatever, who is kind of a joke, was like 41 games for this. And it's like, calm down. I don't think it should have been like an egregious, like ridiculous sort of suspension or anything like that but I did expect to see something because it was like for a league that tries to say that they really want to get head hits and stuff taken care of and has also in the past claimed that they don't discipline based on injury because Logan Couture did stay in the game I just, it was just weird that, that nothing was called there nothing happened yeah I thought for sure like <laughs> there's there were also so many angles of it and people just like slowed it down and like nope from every angle it looks terrible <laughs> it looks bad i thought for <laughs> yeah. sure we would wake up to some sort of further um further news from that but i suppose not i, I guess that was lucky so that's your one freebie gaff of the season dustin brown um, right, please don't do any you, any more of that you got no more also i would like to have a like a season where dustin brown isn't like the de facto sharks killer and just like oh my god <laughs> um, is like you know the dirtiest player and is like trying to kill all of the sharks well yeah he didn't do all of them because as i will always remember and even though it was horrible it helped the kings in that series jared stole is the one who took out um Lassick. so at least dustin brown hasn't done all of the damage but he has done a significant amount of oh it. yeah so this is this is your one and it's not even really a freebie. It was terrible. But this is, like, your one, <laughs> right. like, opportunity to get that, like, shark's hatred or whatever out of the way. Now let's just move on. Stop doing this. Yeah, please don't, um, incident- like, incidentally, accidentally try to ruin any more sharks. <laughs> Seriously. That way. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I'm glad that Logan so far doesn't seem to have, like, a concussion or concussion symptoms or anything like that. It seems like he's been fine. Um, other than, like, as you mentioned, a little bleeding or whatever. A little blood. But hopefully nothing more serious. Um, with Lucic, during the summer, when we talked about the Kings acquiring him, our wish was that he just would not be a goon. Like, we just wanted to see him try to do things like score goals and not chase dudes around the ice. And in his first game, his first regular season game with the Kings, Logan Couture has an open ice hit, which is a fine hit. The hit was fine. And Lucic took exception to it, friggin' followed Logan Couture across the ice to where the shark fence was and basically tried to push him over it. Uh, why? Why? Can you calm down? Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. It was a drastic overreaction because, like, Lucic does this to people... Like, he hits people. He knows this the game of hockey. Like, I don't understand why that hit was so, like, offensive to him that he needed to hunt someone down afterwards. 
It yeah. just made no sense. Especially, I think it's especially annoying um, in a game where the Kings are losing and losing fairly badly. It just seems like, you know, poor sportsmanship or like a tantrum that's being thrown. Totally. Where So like that just made it even more unnecessary and just like silly. It seems so petty. And it's like, dude, can you just take your loss and quit being a baby about it? Like, I understand nobody likes to be hit like that in open ice, but Lucic got up fine and the hit was legal. It wasn't like it was a dirty hit. So it's like, chill out, <laughs> get over it. Um, but no, he chose to be a, a big baby man and went after Logan Couture, making it the third time of the night, which I mentioned on Twitter, but was still kind of amazing to me. The third time that night that somebody had gone at Logan Couture's head because between the Dustin Brown hit and um, being chased by Logan Couture, I remember being chased by Milan Lucic, I mean, there was that weird moment where Logan Couture, like, got tangled up with Jonathan Quick and kind of fell over him and ended up in Jonathan Quick's net. And then Jonathan Quick turned around and punched him in the face, which was ridiculous and amazing because it's game one and Jonathan Quick is already punching dudes. And so three different people, three different Kings players took a shot at Logan Couture's face, which was kind of impressive. I feel like Logan Couture is like the Sharks' Corey Perry. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms, like, not in terms of like them being compared to each other, just but how much like the Kings will try to go after them, apparently, or how <laughs> yeah. much Jonathan Quick likes to punch them in the face, in the crotch, you know, wherever. So I guess he's the one. He's the chosen one for the Sharks on getting picked on. I cannot wait until we can put together like a Jonathan Quick greatest hits and it's actually him just like punching dudes in the face in the junk wherever etc from overhead camera um gifts <laughs> because that seems to be a thing that is happening a lot with him yeah there's already amp- ample footage of all of that which is kind of crazy because sometimes jonathan quick <laughs> just needs to like calm down like a gentle shove out of the crease is fine not like a straight you know punch in the face but you know. <laughs> he straight punched him in the face. I'm sorry. It was hilarious to me. Oh, yeah. That's probably... If if this is going to be what the Kings are going to be like for the entire season, yeah, we'll definitely have plenty of footage. But overall, we would rather see the Kings playing well and scoring goals rather than hitting dudes because they're mad that they're losing. So as ridiculous and oddly entertaining as that Sharks game was, it was actually mostly sad, which at least fits with the theme of sadness the Kings had set up in their video yeah. prior to that game. So you mentioned Nick Shore scored a goal. Um, the Coyotes game, the Kings got off to a weird start. They allowed some some unfortunate goals or whatever, but they did still at least manage not to get shut out. They had a shorthanded goal from none other than Tyler Toffoli. Exciting times. I was so excited to see him back to doing what he does. Yes, I he's back in fine form scoring shorthanded goals. So that at least is... Um, like, something to look forward to for the season if he's going to continue doing that. Mm-hmm. A good play, too, because it was a rebound goal for Toffoli from Jeff Carter to, you know, do what he does, too, which is, like, using his speed, even though he's a very tall man, to get the first shot and have Mike Smith make the most unnecessarily dramatic save on it um, that then allowed Toffoli to follow up. Yeah, so it looks like that line is kind of, you know, doing all right, getting their game together a bit. Yeah, it was also, I noticed um, a little bit of what we always say we would like to see more of from the Kings, which is somebody there in the slot to follow up on a rebound uh, to fully, you know, 
follow Jeff Carter was right there to pick up the puck, even though they were supposed to be on the penalty kill. I don't know where the other players were from the Coyotes. Um, but Toffoli was right there to pick up that rebound and get the goal. So that was cool. It was a nice play. If only the Kings could have done some more of that. In the I feel game. like the Coyotes just knew that the Kings are never there anyway, so they're like, don't bother. <laughs> right. <laughs> they just kind of like... They'll just leave it open. Yeah. They're not going to do anything. <laughs> Falling down on the job there, just assuming that the Kings would do what they usually do, which is not put anyone in front of the net. Um, yeah. But this time, the Kings foiled that plan. I believe the next team they play is the Canucks. I'm, I'm hoping that they can do more than, they can score more than one goal. The Jonathan Quick allows less than four goals. And um, Milan Lucic doesn't take any, um, any more crazy penalties. Because that was the thing. Like, he got thrown out of that game and he got a match penalty, which is, in the rules, an automatic suspension, a suspension until... Gary Bettman can look at it, and um, he didn't get any supplementary discipline or anything, so I guess they took a look at it, and they were like, we don't know why the refs gave him a match penalty for that and dismissed it, but it was interesting that he said it was probably for his reputation that was just like, you know, they gave him the worst possible thing, and it's like, well, maybe you should do something about that reputation. Maybe you shouldn't throw tantrums when guys hit you cleanly. I don't know. It's just yeah, maybe change your reputation. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> That's possible, I think. Um, but yeah, hopefully better against the Canucks, who have beaten the Flames, um, which is not a great team. So I don't know. The Kings have a, a good opportunity to beat them, and as long as they don't, um, you know, crap the bed the way they did against the Coyotes and allow them to capitalize on really bad turnovers. Yeah, see, that's the thing, though. We're saying that the Canucks aren't a very good team, but do you know who else is not a good team? The Coyotes. Yeah, they're, in fact, probably the worst team in the league. They are the wor- <laughs> I'm pretty sure they are the worst team in the league, and the Kings still managed to drop that one. Oh, oh boy. I'm just... This, is, this has to be, like, beginning season jitters or something like that. This is... This can't be the way it's going to be for the entire season. For sure. I mean, last season, everybody was really baffled because they were actually worse in a way in that um, their possession numbers were terrible for, like, the entire month of October. Like, the Kings won their first six games or whatever at home, but a lot of those were Jonathan Quick actually playing really well to start the season. Because remember, that was that Blues game where the, the Blues had what, like, I don't want to say 50, but, like, some ridiculous number of shots on goal. And I think the Kings – I think – did Jonathan Quick shut them out? Like, I don't know. It was it was amazing. Like, the Kings should not have won that game because they scored, like, one goal and the Blues were all over them the whole time. So it's not uncommon for them to start out kind of shaky, but I would really like for them to get it together sooner rather than later. Maybe don't take the whole month this year. <laughs> yeah, especially after the season that they had last year, like the whole not making the playoffs, maybe not make us right, right. wait so long to see that you have your, your shit together. <laughs> yeah, maybe get as many points as you can as possible, as early as possible. Yeah. That's a different way to handle things. I'm not, like, not looking forward to December, where they are often bad. <laughs> yeah, oh... That's the thing, and like we all expect that to happen too. So it's like, please don't ruin the fall, yeah. <laughs> because we all expect things to get much worse in the winter already. It's like the whole like if you hibernate during the winter, you have to like prepare. So just like try to right. stockpile as much food, as many points as possible, until the winter where it just things go kind of haywire. We got to collect all of the resources and all of the food so that we can hibernate in December and January, and the kings are out here, like, feasting in October. Yes. Can you please stop? So, obviously, record, real bad right now. But uh, a small bit of consolation is that, actually, in their next game, the Coyotes also beat the Penguins. So, 
probably worst team in the league, inexplicably winning so far. So at least the Kings aren't alone, that's, which is nice. That's true. At least it's not just the Kings being the worst team ever. Yeah. And the Sharks also beat the Ducks. So maybe it's not just the Kings. Maybe they just kind of, uh, things are just weird in a couple of ways. And they can bounce back from it. Beat the Canucks, please. Please beat yeah, them. Yeah, also this is like the first two games of the season. We're, I know we're both being like very overly dramatic about it. We know that there's, you know, 80 more games that they can bounce back from. But still, it feels bad. Right. Um, so, moving past the on-ice stuff, I think we now should take the opportunity to talk about the other unfortunate thing that happened, what, which started out actually positive and then became a hot mess, is that we mentioned the Kings and Mike Richards were working on some kind of settlement. It finally was finished and announced as being finished, and that's really good because it means that Mike Richards is a UFA and can move on with his career, if he so chooses to, and the Kings can like know where they stand now with regards to cap space and stuff. They can hopefully sign Andre Kopitar, etc. Here is what we know so far about it: is that Richards is probably going to be on the cap until 2031. The exact amount of money the Kings will pay him as part of that settlement is still unknown. Analysts have said that he's probably not going to get the entirety of the 22 million dollars that he's owed, but he's going to get a lot of money and extending it over that period probably means the hit to the Kings annually will be pretty small because they will pay. So when they terminated the contract, it went from him being on the cap for cap penalties for 10 years to five. So they're still going to pay the five years at 1.32 million per. And then after that, Richards will stay on the cap um, until 2031, which probably likely a much smaller hit, which is manageable. For the Kings, but we don't know exactly what that second number is yet. And um, other than that, that's kind of where we're at. We don't know more details. It'll probably come out. I am happy with that settlement, actually. I don't know. Did you have any feelings about it? Um, I'm happy with it. I'm happy that, you know, selfishly or whatever, it doesn't affect the Kings too poorly, you know, in the future. But I'm also mostly happy that there's some sort of conclusion instead of, like, obviously we still don't know all of the details of either the um the like the settlement or about what really happened but i'm glad that it seems to be wrapping up and we can kind of you know move on instead of having that just like up in the air i agree that's that's really what i feel because also so i was a little confused when when it was announced that the settlement was happening i was like Oh, wait a second, I didn't even know that this was a possibility because... Yeah, I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know because when it was first talked about, everybody was like, wow, the Kings are going to have to argue their case and for terminating Mike Richards and it's going to be really hard to defend and it if they win, it would set a really bad precedent for other players. And so I was like, this seems really bad. I don't even know why they took that route if A, there's no chance of them winning and B... It, it just seems so risky overall and unfair to a player who, you know, as the news about Mike Richards being detained and then eventually charged came out, like, they never explicitly said, look, this dude is addicted to drugs, addicted to painkillers specifically. Um, but that was kind of the implication is that there might be a really serious substance abuse problem here. And so it was like, OK, you're going to kind of out that about him and not give him any money and just kind of leave him alone. And it just seemed really, really shitty. So I, I appreciate at least about the settlement that it allows the Kings to achieve what they wanted business-wise, which was to minimize the cap hit. But also they're not leaving him with nothing. Like he is getting 
most of his money, if, you know, probably not all of it, but a whole lot of it, which is good. Um, and so in that way, I'm like, a lot of the optics of this are still really terrible, but at least it seems to have turned out better financially for both parties, way better than it could have. And I know there was a lot of talk over the fact that this just seems like a king's, like, last-ditch effort to just, like, drop him. Right. And, you know, like, just get out of paying him money. But, and I, I know that some people probably still see it that way, but it was nice to hear Bill Daly, um... I'm just going to read the quote here. He said, if the settlement was simply a disguised way to get favorable cap treatment, we certainly would have considered it to be a circumvention and acted accordingly. But this wasn't that. Far from it. There's absolutely zero concern that anything that transpired here in any could in any way be considered a circumvention of the CBA. Anyone who believes to the contrary is clearly not privy to the facts. So that makes me feel better that the kings wasn't weren't trying to pull like the wool over anyone's eyes. It's all pretty much on the up and up it goes in line like they had to fight like through it and like prove their points and you know it was found favorable by uh like with regards to the cba so that just like even though the optics were terrible at least that makes me feel more content with everything that's gone down right yeah me too i was really excited to hear that not only were the Kings and Mike Richards and his people involved in these discussions, but that the NHL was paying attention and the NHLPA. Um, and that was kind of the other thing that made me understand it, too, was that Bill Daly said basically when the grievance was filed is where the opportunity to discuss the settlement came up. Because basically the NHLPA in their grievance was saying that they don't want this to be the thing that is, they don't want this termination to be happening. So it allowed talks for maybe a renegotiated buyout situation. Um, and this is what they landed on. So I get it more now, but it, it, when it was first announced, I was like, what? <laughs> Where did this come from? How is it allowed? But I, I am glad to see that like it seems to be um, above board for the most part. And also um, the article, Bill Daly didn't say this, but the article from Pierre Lebrun noted at the end, he says, or he's written, a source also said Richard's settlement includes non-precedent language so that other teams in similar positions cannot cite the Richards case, which I thought obviously was really good on behalf of players. So it's not like, remember when the Kings, you know, did this magic thing to screw over Mike Richards or however you perceive it, um, they can't use that to uh, potentially hurt other people in the future. Right, right. This was just... Uh, like special one-off sort of thing and hopefully it just never has to happen again yeah good there and it seemed cool it was like all right we got the best we could possibly hope for from this situation at least legally because again we still don't know a whole lot of the details of what Mike Richards is going through or what happened between him and the Kings so at least like when it came to the money of it all right settled done both parties can move on but then, during the game, like, as the Kings were friggin' losing 4-1 and everything is kind of a mess on the ice, Lisa Dillman publishes a piece for the LA Times that includes a written summation, quote, unquote, written summation, um, from Dean Lombardi. And, oh boy, <laughs> it, oh, it was classic Dean Lombardi and so for the most part, I thought really unnecessary, um, which also classic Dean Lombardi. And he said it was a, a written summation. And while that's true to like in layman's terms, 
it is a Facebook post um, (laughs) that one would post after um, a very, very bad breakup and just, like, trying to tell their side of the story and how they're feeling, hoping to get likes and shares and, like, comments of support because that's about how it, like, read to me. No, that's totally right. I think I texted a friend of mine and I was like, this is like the email that you write to vent. But when you're done, you're supposed to delete that email. You don't send it. And he sent it. Dean Lombardi sends it every time. Yeah, that's something like you write on a piece of paper and then burn. I'm like, happy I got that out. Now let's watch it burn. Not, you know, I'm going (laughs) to put some postage on this and send it someone's way. I want to make sure you read it. And not just you, the party that I'm talking about, but... Every friggin' body who looks at this LA Times article. Like, that's the thing. It's super public. Why? There's really no way to communicate the ridiculousness of this without reading it. So I'm going to read... um, We should just break it down paragraph by paragraph. (laughs) Yeah, let's, let's go through Dean Lombardi's Facebook post. All right. It starts. Without a doubt, the realization of what happened to Mike Richards is the most traumatic episode of my career. At times, I think I will never recover from it. It is difficult to trust anyone right now, and you begin to question whether you can trust your own judgment. The only thing that I can think of that would be worse would be suspecting your wife of cheating on you for five years and then finding out, in fact, it was true. (laughs) Let's just stop right there. One, I'm sure he doesn't think that suspecting your wife is from like of cheating is worse i'm pretty sure he thinks this is worse yeah <laughs> first of all you're a liar you, you think the wife thing is like second worst this is definitely the worst um and also i question if he was maybe listening to cold plays fix you as he was writing this right. but yeah that's there are there's a lot of See, I'm like, I don't know if this is hyperbole on his part. Like, if he really is, like, this is just like when he was like, I was crying when, you know, I found out about Jared Stoll or whatever it was. Like, I can never, like, I can't trust anyone right now or whatever it is. Right, yeah. At least it is on par with his reaction to to Jared Stoll. And that was only, like, he couldn't function for four days. And that was pretty intense. But, like, this... What he has dubbed the most traumatic episode of his career. Jeez, can Dean Lombardi function at all? I am honestly surprised that he managed to make any signings or <laughs> trades or anything because this had to have been really tough on him. I will go on to the next couple of sentences because it sort of ties into other stuff I want to say. But he goes on to say, Anyone close enough to me knows how much I loved Mike Richards. I believed that when I had acquired him, I had found my own Derek Jeter. Um, The Derek Jeter thing he has said before. And I will say that, like, it's over the top. Dean Lombardi is, you know, to take it back to the Coyotes for a second, Dean Lombardi is the Mike Smith of GMs, right? He is overdramatic all the time, constantly. And as much as I believe that that is true, that he needs to chill out, I do at least believe that he cared a lot about Mike Richards. I think there is some sincerity there, even if I think it's also overstated. Yeah, I I don't think that he's coming from, like, a place of, like, being dishonest about, you know, how he's feeling. It's just, like, it is a little, it's a little much. I have no doubt that he cared very deeply and that this is, you know, very much troubled him, everything that's gone on and, like, you know, makes him worried about, like, what he was overlooking and, like, how he interacted and all that stuff. But you're right. It's just very much overstating it. Um, and then I'm not going to read this part, but he goes on right after that to talk about how Mike Richards was not the player that he thought he was getting when he, you know, traded for him from Philadelphia. And he describes how he had fallen off, like, really quickly 
and there's a little bit of that. Then he goes on to say, I heard rumors that Mike might have some off-ice issues, but I refuse to believe that they were true despite some obvious signs. I think this, that sentence is really the most important part of what the everything that we don't know so far because there's been a lot of speculation about whether or not the kings tried to help mike richards with whatever he's going through and this i think at least indicates similar to the other off-ice problems that the kings have had is that people just don't want to believe that it's their problem that this is something that happens in their world and that to me this is like honestly the saddest part because if mike richards has for at least the last three years um, three or three and a half ish years has been struggling with something. It's really unfortunate to me that at least on the management level, it's possible that that nobody was like, "Look, what can we do to?" Help yeah, it's you? it's kind of um, upsetting that the whole mentality of like it it's uh, other people's problems, like it can't happen to you. And like I understand where he's coming from. You don't want to think that of the people that you care about, you know, the people that you love, whatever. Yeah, to to imagine that the signs were there and that other people had like informed him of like the potential of there being a problem and not being like extra careful or extra watchful to see how they could help is, is kind of upsetting um, to know that he was, you know, languishing there without any like intervention or support. Yeah. That's the saddest part of it. Um, And I think, I think towards the end of this, Dean Lombardi actually says some, really interesting things about sports culture. But before he gets to that, he has to make it a little bit more about him. He goes on to say, the reality is that I was played. My only regret, though, is that I wish Mike had been able to come to me with this problem. And that was the last message I left for him on his cell phone when I learned of the incident and all the history leading up to the incident. Here's my issue with that is it ties into the last part of like if nobody was reaching out to Mike Richards and Mike Richards clearly was not reaching out to someone specifically in this case was not reaching out to Dean Lombardi, then he was kind of alone. And so I don't really see why I understand that Dean Lombardi is hurt and it sucks if you think, you know, you tried to foster this relationship where somebody could tell you everything and they did not. I understand like he's hurt, but at the same time, I don't really think this is the venue or the time or the place to make it about your feelings. Like, I can't believe Mike Richards wasn't honest with me. Mike Richards is potentially, as you have implied, suffering from some, uh, you know, substance abuse problems. Seems to be the big implication here. Never explicitly said, but really implied. And the thing about addiction is that, it, you know, it can be very isolating. So I don't, it just feels weird to me to publish this thing in LA Times to be like, I can't believe he did this to me. How could he not talk to me? And it's like, he is dealing with some really serious stuff. Obviously some some pain. He's had plenty of surgeries. He's had concussions, um, a number of which occurred while he was playing on the Kings. And he spent the last couple of years like playing and kind of being told he wasn't playing well enough and worrying about his spot and then eventually getting demoted. There are a lot of reasons why Mike Richards might have come to you. And probably it's not actually about specifically you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. He didn't come to anyone else either. I know he tried to foster that relationship, but it's like when dealing with addiction, it's a whole other like ball game there. Anything else, like if someone's having trouble at home or whatever, you know, maybe they'll, they'll come to you, but um, addiction is a, a different thing. So yeah, the fact that he tried to make it all about him in a public venue is kind of nutty. Yeah, like get over yourself, yeah. Dean Lombardi, please. We get it. You've been betrayed, you know, but like, you know, <laughs> this isn't, there are bigger problems like whether or not Mike Richards is getting any help for what he called for what Dean Lombardi called a destructive spiral right now like is he still in the middle of that is that something that's still happening is this dude okay 
we don't know nobody knows so it's weird that you're taking this opportunity when he might still be suffering to be like i can't believe he hurt me please publish this la times (laughs) (laughs) but then after after the woe is me of it for dean lombardi he does actually say um a couple of interesting things so the last Last part, last couple paragraphs. He says, I believe that what happened to Mike Richards is a tragedy and I cannot let it go. My short-term goal is to win championships. My long-term goal is to eventually become more involved with groups studying the changing values that are becoming increasingly evident in sport and their root causes. I certainly believe that Mike Richards must be held accountable for his actions, but when a player who at one time symbolized everything that was special about the sport can become caught in such a destructive spiral, then I believe the institution of sport must begin to examine its level of culpability. And that, I thought, was actually, from all of that mess, one of the most um, poignant parts of it is it, at least, at the very least, Dean Lombardi says or seems to indicate that he is reaching a place where he questions the influence of teams and of hockey culture and sports culture at large. And um, I think that's important because it's like, look, yes, he played really hard games. Like, hmm, maybe that contributes to the fact that his body has been broken and his brain hurt and whatnot. Now he might potentially be suffering with some kind of struggle. Those things might be related. So I think it's good that you finally reach the place where you're like, maybe we should examine that. It's been probably a very enlightening year for Dean Lombardi because like when the Voinov thing came out as well he was like I don't know why I didn't think that that was a thing that would affect players yeah or especially like even more acutely with you know the money the fame like everything that goes along with you know like the wife of an athlete and all that stuff and so kind of seeing it in his own backyard really kind of opened his eyes to the kind of you know, hockey culture and how that can be detrimental to a player personally instead of, you know, just thinking about things that are going on on the ice. And I think it's, you know, admirable that he wants to kind of like examine that and educate himself and maybe educate the league and put things into place that will help, you know, hockey players in the future. Um, Whether or not it actually happens, you know, obviously remains to be seen. But the fact that he's thinking about it and wants to do it is, is very... It's it's good. And this is coming from a guy who also wrote, like, a manifesto for Keith Yandel for just, like, a, a spot in the Olympics. So I have a feeling that he's mm-hmm. going to put things – he's going to make things happen. He's going to put things into place. I, I did like that he at least ended in a place that I thought was useful and is something that I hope he builds on. Um, it is unfortunate that we had to get through his, like, really self-centered emotions <laughs> to get to that place. Like, he could have just, like, gone with just the, the last two. He just, you know, acknowledging that, yes, we reached the settlement, the last two paragraphs, and then that just could have been it. <laughs> yeah. That would have been better. But at, at least he ended on a constructive note. Like, at least something was learned from this, and it wasn't just like, I've been betrayed, woe is me, and then right. that's the end of it. But instead, it's like, okay, well, this is what we've learned. This is what we're going to do. There was also, it was written in the piece that he had indicated that the things that they've rolled out so far, as far as off-ice conduct initiatives for the Kings, are really just at the beginning. So I hope he makes good on that. Like the idea that they're going to do some more examination of themselves and the organization and the sport and um, continue to build on the programs they've already just rolled out. Like I do like that they added, even though I still have lots of questions about the programs and whatnot, I do like that they added, um, I still have Brett Myers. I would assume that's how you pronounce his name. Added him so that there is another layer for somebody, for players to come and talk to, hopefully, so that they maybe do feel more comfortable to reach out if they don't want to reach out to someone like Dean Lombardi. 
Um, I like those steps. I would love to see them build on them. And it seems like Dean Lombardi is interested in doing that, or at least he says so. So we'll see. Yeah, at least at least there's something in place. Like, it's not going to be perfect. It's obviously just starting. Um, but at least they can see where it goes wrong or see where it's lacking and then refine it and then just keep doing that until it's something that is, you know, useful for players. And, and that's, that mm-hmm. can only mean good things. That piece, kind of a mess. Just adding to the general tone of, like, sadness, the Kings are broken, they get, people got to be fixed this season, is now um, worrying about Mike Richards. Like, I don't know, the phrase destructive spiral. I'm like, okay, but where does that end? Is he all right? Kind of thing is all I keep thinking about now. Yeah, I'm like, was he in a destructive spiral or is he in a destructive spiral? Exactly. Like, this is the important things that I, I need to know and... Like, I, I just need to know if I should be worrying more, I guess. Yeah, so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. A, I'm curious to see if Mike Richards ever talks to this. Because the thing about him is, at least when he got quieter when he came to the Kings, but, like, with Philly, he was always very vocal about people he did not like or did not agree with and whatnot. So I'm curious to see if he responds to some of the things that Dean Lombardi has said. Because even though he still didn't give details about exactly what happened and exactly what Richards destructive spiral looks like um he there's still a whole lot of implying right (laughs) so i'm curious to see if mike richards ever tells his side of things in any way um what and also if he plays again because that's the other thing yeah that's what i was gonna ask now he's ufa will he play will he play will he want to play will someone other team want to have him so i'm real curious about that i i kind of am leaning towards no i kind of am leaning towards this is the the end of the road for for Mike Richards. Part of me thinks Mike Richards on the NHL at least. Yeah, right. Well, part of me thinks maybe it should be like if he is if his you know body and head like if his like if he's suffering that much maybe it should be for his health, right? But I don't know if from based on what we know and what we've seen speculated, like I don't know if that is what he wants. Because even up until the termination, he was like, I would prefer to stay in Los Angeles and keep playing. So. Yeah, I just have a lot of questions about where where Mike Richards goes from here. Because I think it's also, like, one of those things where hockey players define themselves as hockey players. Like, that's who they are as a person, not just, like, a sport that they play. Mm-hmm. So I think having that taken away or having that, you know, pos- like, not be an option anymore is very daunting and scary, especially since, you know, most of these players have been playing since they were wee little ones. So, you know, what do you do now? Yeah. Like, what what purpose do you have, I suppose? Yeah, it's tough. Like, if this is it for him, that transition period is going to be difficult. It, it seems to be difficult for most players, and especially for his exit to have been, to have happened this way, I think only adds to the trickiness of it. So another question, do you think this, the way that his, you know, parting with the Kings happened and stuff, do you think that that changes his legacy so to speak because there was a time where like a lot of people expected Mike Richards to be remembered as this really great player and he still accomplished like a lot of things you know two Stanley Cup champion teams a gold medal you know won a bunch of stuff in junior and stuff like that like he's done a lot do you think the end the potential end of his career affects how people reflect on him um I think that there's always just going to be an asterisk you know like no one's going to completely discredit everything that he's done. Obviously, he's done them. He deserves it, and he deserves all those accolades. Um, but when you talk about it, you have to talk about how it all ends. So, like, why isn't he playing hockey anymore? And this is just something that, you know, has to be mentioned. So um, 
I don't want to say it's like tarnished or anything like that. Like his reputation is tar- tarnished. It's just been changed a little. Like you have to take the bad with the good. And in this case, the bad was, you know, pretty bad. So, um, you know, you can celebrate everything that he's done, but just know that it didn't end well. It, yeah. If, if this is where it ends, it's, it's a rough end. And I hope it's I hope it's not where it ends. Like even if he doesn't play in the NHL again, I hope we hear from him in some way. And um, not that we're owed Mike Richards proving that he's healthy and getting what he needs or whatever. But I would like to see it because he was a player who was on a team that I really really loved, and I have some emotional investment in him as a person. And I would like to see him find health and happiness. So. I hope it's not the last that we see of, hear of Mike Richards, and that when we do hear from him again, um, maybe if we're lucky, we get some indication that he it will be okay. Yeah, I have actually have a lot of invo- emotional investment in Mike Richards. <laughs> like, I really would like to know that he is doing all right. So that is that. Like the sad, and now the Kings don't play till Tuesday, so we all get to just stew in all of the sadness for a few days. One other, I guess, to talk about a couple more um, bright spots really quickly is Jordan Wheel got to play in his first game, which was nice. He had a really bad turnover that led to a goal against, but still, still got to play in his first game. It was really great. And like I said, the the Kings have now put Jeff Schultz on waivers, so he will be assigned to Ontario, assuming he clears waivers. They're they're not bringing anybody up, but they still have Derek Forbert around, I believe. So it gives possibly him an opportunity to get into his um, into a game and play with the Kings some. So at least there is some excitement on the youth side of the Kings. And I don't I don't know if we talked about it. Brian O'Neill to the Devils. Yeah, yeah. That's right. For a seventh round conditional pick, which really, that's all? Like, he did pretty well um, in the AHL. So I was like, oh, that's oh, that's what he's worth? Um, I got, okay, right. sure, I guess. Yeah, I, I assume it, it has to do with, like, his age, I guess, because he's 27. Yeah. So it's not like, like, if that dude is, like, in his prime right now. I assume that was part of what went into the discussions for that trade. But, yeah, I was like, not even, like, a sixth round? Like, a seventh? All right. <laughs> I guess that's what we're going with. It's a conditional pick? Like, come on. <laughs> um, Give me something solid for him. <laughs> so he is uh, gone, unfortunately. And, oh, and um, J.F. Rue got claimed off waivers, waivers, and he played in his first game with the Islanders. Um, it was a loss to the Blackhawks, but he got to make his NHL debut. And um, Colin Miller, who the Kings traded to Boston, made his debut. He played with them. They also lost, but he played. And then we've got some former Kings who are not, you know, brand new, still doing, like, good things so, so far. So, like, the Washington Capitals had their first game. They've only played one game so far. Justin Williams, two points. No big deal. Including, like, I miss a very him. sweet little, like, backhand pass yeah I miss him so much I miss him so much out of all of the players that the Kings have traded away or didn't resign uh this past offseason I miss Justin Williams so deeply Uh, but I guess it's good to see him off with the caps like that he's doing well that he's you know happy over there (laughs) I don't sound bitter or anything (laughs) I just have that uh Gautier song that was really popular like playing in my head Jeez. <laughs> I mean, even though actually the relationship with Justin Williams and the Kings was not sour at all. So that's not really fair. But I, I, I do just, I'm, I miss him and I'm like, I'm glad you're doing well, but I wish you were with us. 
Please and he's back. already done like a calendar with animals, I and know. I'm like, no, you were supposed to do that with the kings. <laughs> this isn't fair to uh, me or to anyone. Just uh, me like make it a montage with Katy Perry's "The One That Got Away" playing. <laughs> it's just pictures of Justin <laughs> Williams. That's what it feels like in my head right now, all the time. Pretty much. Uh, but he's doing really well. Um, Jared Stoll, who I keep forgetting, is on the Rangers until like randomly somebody will post like a screening cap of him doing something. But the Rangers have won all three of their first games and have, have scored a lot of goals. They're playing really well. And uh, Jared Stoll has one point in those games. So congratulations to him. Yeah, I kind of forgot that he was on the Rangers, too. I just assumed that he was just, like, still in Vegas. I don't know. But, yeah, he seems to be doing fine over there, too. Glad to know everyone else is doing well on other teams, doing well without the Kings, while the Kings are just being not good. Right. right. <laughs> Makes me feel real happy. <laughs> I wonder, with Jared Stoll, like, it's not immediately after, so it's not quite the same, but I always wonder, like, is it strange to go play with a team that still has a lot of the players that you beat in a Stanley Cup final. <laughs> is that weird? Or, like, beat on the way to a Stanley Cup final? Because, like, Brad Richardson, even though they've had a lot of roster t- turnover, like, Brad Richardson is now on the Coyotes. Like, is that strange? Like, he was on the Canucks. Is that weird? Yeah, like, I wonder if... Because that, that always makes me want to uh, know what people say in, like, the handshake line and things like that. It's like, did one guy just chirp a little too hard and now you guys are teammates? And you're like, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's all fine. Like, they all know that there's a uh, chance of them getting traded and things like that. So, like, what, like, I'm sure they're all very adaptable to things like that. But I wonder if, like, in the back of their head, you know, someone is like, yeah, you called me a dickhead. Right. Fuck you, guy. Like, <laughs> whatever it is. But, did, like, you're his teammate now. Right. It's like, did Jared Stoll elbow any of the people on the Rangers? <laughs> is is that strange? Oh, one thing I wanted to mention with that Rangers team, because, again, they've been playing really well. But one thing that's kind of amazing is they have a rookie. Oscar Lindbergh has four points in their three games, and they're all goals. Way to be, buddy. Actually, okay, so, like, I'm going back for a second. How funny would it be? It wouldn't be funny at all if Alec Martinez ended up being on the Rangers oh and was just, God. like, playing with Lundqvist because, like, that's on the cover of, you know, Sports <laughs> yeah. Illustrated is Alec Martinez scoring the cup-winning goal and then, you know, immediately after Lundqvist just, like, face down in the ice. How would that feel? That I'm sure there's crazy. just, like, good-hearted chirping, but it might be kind of devastating. Right, right. Like, it's just strange at first. Like, it's probably fine. It's been long enough, I think, that, you know, it would be cool. It's not like anybody's going to be bitter in the locker room, but it it would just have to be, like, a weird feeling. I think particularly for someone like Alec Martinez, if he were to end up in that situation. (laughs) Like, oh, hey. I only scored my, like, biggest goal of my career, (laughs) like, against you. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, like, I'm, framed in, in, like, my house, in my family's house, in my friends' houses, <laughs> is me, like, beating you. What's up, man? Like, you it know. It was a great moment. I still feel really good about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty hilarious. Also, um, I hope that never happens. I would be deeply sad if Alec Martinez were to leave the game. Oh, yeah, that that as well. That's why I'm like, I don't think it'll happen. Hopefully it won't, but... If it did, that would be quite hilarious. Also, I don't think the Rangers deserve to get that much more attractive. That would be unfair. That's true. (laughs) That's true. It's deeply offensive. Um, Okay, so I think that's pretty much all of it. I don't know. Have you watched any other teams so far this week? I've watched a bunch of hockey. (laughs) I have not watched a bunch of hockey. I've been extremely busy at, you know, my real job or whatever. Stupid. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did watch... 
Zach Parise score a hat trick. Oh, yeah. I See, I actually missed that. Way one. to start that off strong. <laughs> like, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, I'm sure if you have some words you want to say about Phil Kessel scoring. Oh, yes. Phil Kessel, my love. <laughs> I was really, like, honestly, like, Phil Kessel scoring the only Penguins goal and then them losing so that they didn't leave the Kings lonely and losing to the Coyotes um, was actually probably perfect scenario for me. <laughs> um, but I'm also glad that I was actually watching most of that game and saw Phil Kessel score that goal. I loved how excited Sidney Crosby looked after he scored that goal. And Phil Kessel was just like kind of did like the Dustin Brown thing of like straight face, all business. Like, yeah. Yeah, I took care of it. Thanks. <laughs> um, it was amazing. I'm so excited for him to be on that team. And even I like watching the Penguins, but I'm not really emotionally invested in whether they win or lose. I don't really care. But I I am emotionally invested in Phil Kessel. <laughs> and I'm really excited for him to hopefully score a lot. I'm glad he doesn't have to go through the whole like media like, so it's been five games and you haven't scored yeah, a goal yet. Like, what do you think is going on? And I'm sure that, you know, if this were Toronto media, it'd be terrible. Mm-hmm. Not that you know, Pittsburgh, I'm not really sure how crazy their, um, like, media is. But I'm glad that he doesn't have to go through that, like, when will he score his first goal? Are things not working out? Was this trade a bust? Or, you know, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah, I think he scored a goal. He's done. Like, things can just proceed as normal. He's always got that cushion of, like, people will be paying more attention in the media to Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. So he can, like, relax a little. That's really nice. And then he can just do what he does best, which is you know, generate great scoring chances, score a lot of goals. One thing I noticed, I don't know if it stayed true for the entirety of the game, but while I was watching it, they had mentioned on the broadcast, I think during the third period, that Sidney Crosby had not had a shot on goal. And I kind of wondered, I was like, oh man, is he doing a little bit of like what it seemed like Kopitar started to do when Gabrick showed up, which was, you know, Kopitar already doesn't shoot a lot or as much as people want him to. And then it seemed like he was shooting even less <laughs> with Marion Gabrick around. So I think they got to figure that out because I as much as I want to watch Phil Kessel score and have those opportunities Sidney Crosby should probably be shooting the puck still Sydney, please yeah <laughs> uh, luckily once again still the beginning of the season right, yeah. so plenty of time to see how this turns out mm-hmm. um, I didn't watch the first Canucks Flames game but I did watch half of the one yesterday and Johnny Gaudreau is still so good. I'm pretty sure he has a point on every, like he didn't hasn't scored every Flames goal, but he has a point on every Flames goal that they've scored so far this season. I mean, he's Johnny Hockey for a reason. <laughs> he's doing good. Uh, luckily, I think... He's so little. Yeah, he's That's he's all I can tiny. think of every time. Just like, he's so little. He's tiny. Hopefully, he does not wreak too much havoc on the Kings again this season. Still really mad about that time they were winning and then let him get a hat trick. But he is a really exciting player when he's not playing the Kings and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. You're you're wonderful and I want all good things to happen to you against every other team except when you're on the Kings, please just have like the worst game of your life. Um, oh, the Hurricanes played a little bit, I mean it didn't really end up this way, but they played a little bit of a Kingsy game against the Red Wings and that at one point they had like 30 shots to the Red Wings like 5 or 6 and <laughs> We're down one nothing, And I think they went on to lose that game still, which is insane. Uh, yeah, because that that's normal. That's the hurricane <laughs> yeah. right now. So that, there's that. Hockey insanity so far, uh, but really exciting. And hopefully the Kings can really get in on that excitement by winning some games. Yes, we've got 
a new week ahead of us. So hopefully it will come with some wins. We can listen to the triumphant version yeah. of Fix You. Right. Yeah. Like that, the nice part. Yeah, the three stars announcing part. <laughs> Not just the when you try your best and you don't succeed of it all. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to fix ourselves. It hasn't worked quite yet. Oh, kind of lackluster to start the season, but onwards and upwards. Hopefully. Um, before we get out of here, do you have any parting words? Nope, just that I want the Kings to win. Yes, I'm please, ready for it. Wins. Also, no, no, no. Actually, I do have some words. Um, drawing with Drew is oh. just as silly and excellent as I imagined mm-hmm. it would be. Mm-hmm. And I very much appreciate its inclusion into the new, like, scoreboard features. That's going to be it's a ridiculous great. segment, and I'm pretty sure they got plenty of it, and it's already a mess um i like what they do with their scoreboard features generally so more of it all right spiel before we go uh thanks bud on twitter thxbud talk to us we have a facebook page like it talk to us there we have an email chirp at thanksbud.com um and i think that's pretty much it let's hope the kings win so we can have something to be excited about i don't want to cry on next week's podcast I know. This is like 30 minutes of us being upset about Mike Richards. So right. let's talk about nice things. I don't yeah. know. Somebody do something exciting. Oh, I did like the the King's Ice Pops thing that they have. That was really cute. That was adorable, and I really wish I could have had one. Me too. I, w- I wanted all of them. They were never around where I was, enough for me to go like run out and grab one. But I would really like – I loved the drawings of everybody, Tyler Toffoli's rosy cheeks, the random dark circles around Andre Kobadar's eyes. Spot on, everybody. <laughs> Great work. So hopefully more cute the, like, things like that. Huge gaping uh, smile of Jeff Carter. <laughs> yeah, more stuff like that, please. Um, and we can be much happier next week. Uh, until then, friends, be good to each other. Take care of yourselves, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. Bye everyone. <laughs>